along with Eric Francis from Fresh Farm Aquaponics. Good. I'm glad you remember which place you're I from. Know, that, I know. That's I know, excellent. Right? <laughs> uh, actually, that's, that, to be fair, you just changed the name to uh, Trifecta, right? Yeah, Trifecta Ecosystem. So that, that, that'll be coming on. That'll be another whole podcast. Okay. Okay. We'll do that yeah. then. So uh, we're, today we're here at the uh, Connecticut Technology Council's Innovation Summit at the Convention Center in Hartford, Connecticut. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're going to be doing some live recordings. And the very first one is Eric Russell, I'm sorry, Eric, what was it? Russell? Mm-hmm. Russell. Yeah. Eric Russell from Diameter Health. As you can tell, Eric, we do this uh, pretty informally. <laughs> yeah. um, and uh, and I know this is sort of a tight environment. You're here in a tight time frame. Um, you got a booth here and lots of people waiting to talk to you. So we'll, we'll keep it moving. So why don't you tell us about Diameter Health? Sure. Well, Diameter Health is a company headquartered in Farmington, Connecticut. We're a digital health company. And we leverage information from certified electronic health records to support analytics and identify gaps in clinical documentation. Okay, so why don't we break that down a little bit? <laughs> what does that mean to the layman? <laughs> <What is laughs> that? No, it's important. So, so uh, do you essentially? I just want to make sure I try to understand it right. Do you get record? Do you have? Do, people, do you, uh, medical facilities provide you with records, and you provide analytics? We provide analytics, but our core competency is identifying the quality of the electronic documents themselves. So we're very good at identifying quality, looking at gaps in the information, and in some cases fixing and putting uh, better information together to make better clinical decisions for better patient outcomes. Oh, that's fascinating. And and who pays for these services? I assume this is the, uh, these are, what, uh, op- doctor's offices, hospitals? Yeah, my co-founder and I, uh, both come out of the healthcare environment. We both worked in hospitals and large health systems. Um, we are currently working with um, health systems here in the state, both uh, Yale New Haven Health System, Hartford Healthcare, and others. Uh, and we also work with what are called health information exchanges and other organizations which take electronic information across the continuum of care. So, so the um, the information, the analytics. What type of this stuff are you trying to uh, correct? Did you say you, you you see holes in the data, and then you you try to give a solution to that? So, give me an example of like what what one of those holes would be. Sure. So, we look at all types of documents in something called a continuity of care document, okay. or CCD, and that has things like problems, allergies, medications, things of that nature. And we can look at each of those sections to identify are they complete. And is the information in the proper syntax? So, for example, if you're calculating body mass index and you're calculating that based on kilograms instead of pounds or vice versa, it can give you a, an incorrect number. And we identify <laughs> ways to make sure that those numbers are correct and semantically accurate yeah. is to it, make good decisions. And so that's for the doctor's uh, like eyes or is that for the patient's eyes? Um, primarily, we're working with clinicians at this point, but it certainly can also help with the patients themselves. And as companies like Apple move forward with their health kit, where people can now take down their electronic records directly into their devices, this is important to consumers as well. And you pull from all those? Like, would you pull from the Apple kit or? Um, We we don't today, but um, we, we we could do that technically, yes. And really, we're leveraging what are called certified electronic health records as part of the Affordable Care Act and Obamacare, yep. all hospitals and ambulatory facilities now have typically certified electronic health records, and we leverage those those standards. Fantastic. And so how long have you been doing this? 
Uh, so I've been involved with Diameter for about three years now, mm -hmm. and uh, it's my second startup here in the state. Uh, it's been a great ride working with some really great people, and it's been very rewarding to build a team uh, here in Connecticut. We also have an office in Boston. And so what was your first startup? Uh, my first startup was a company called Premise, uh, and we focused also in the healthcare IT space. We um, optimized patient flow and throughput. Basically, we created a technology that was like an air traffic control tower for hospitals to help optimize patients getting in processed um, and then discharged in an efficient manner. Interesting. So I guess one of the questions is that in the healthcare industry, right, with the with the new um, uh, records and everything with Obamacare, they're trying to make it more standard across the industry, right? Because from what I've heard from people that work in the, the hospitals is that some hospitals have one record keeping kind of way or one system, like one air traffic control system. Another one has a different one. So sending the data between them and if I move to another doctor, they don't talk. Like, is that kind of like the big goal, like, or the the big challenge that you've been working with with your previous startup and this one? or Yeah, that's exactly right, Eric. That's really what we do today at Diameter yeah. Health. And so part of the Affordable Care Act and the uh, standardization of meaningful use records have these interoperabilities of big word in healthcare. And yeah. you're right. Many hospitals have common electronic health systems like Epic, Cerner, Allscripts, Meditech. But once you go out into the community of private practices, there can be a whole host of other systems. And so the need using the standard of interoperability called the Continuity of Care Document, or CCD, is really what we're quite good at, at leveraging, normalizing, standardizing that data. Mm -hmm. And so why is Diameter Health here at the Innovation Summit today? What, what are you guys hoping to get out of this? Well, I'm, I'm a member of the board of the CTC, so I like to support the home team. <laughs> Good job. Um, Fair enough. Yep. <laughs> and also, uh, Connecticut Innovations is, uh, again, an investor in my last company, nice. an investor in this company as mm -hmm. well. Um, so it's really exciting to just see the other technology companies that are here in the state and also to tell what we're doing, and we're always looking for talent. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, one thing that I've been seeing in the state, and like I don't know if this kind of helps you because obviously you're in Connecticut, so you have access to Hartford Healthcare, right? UConn, Yale. Um, I've been seeing a lot of the, these companies buy up all the smaller firms, right? They're they're getting all they're buying all the the, um, the family physician offices, and you got the pro health and everything. Is that is that one of the is that a good thing in your industry? As you're seeing, like the Harvard hospitals again, they they bought MedState a few years ago, so that I assume that the uh, you know their air traffic control system goes to another one. I mean, does that help out in uh, with you guys or? Well, it certainly becomes harder and harder to be a small player in this space, which, as you point out, continues to consolidate. I do think there's some great economies of scale, synergies, best practices, and mm -hmm. resources that can be brought to bear through that. Um, but as these systems continue to consolidate, there's a need for integrating all of that clinical data in an efficient way. Yep, yep. So what are the challenges that you're facing currently about where, where you're at now and where you want to go? Sure. Well, in general, healthcare um, typically slow buying cycles, slow decision-making mm -hmm. processes, but we know that. We come from that space. Mm -hmm. Um, I think always looking for talent, um, particularly here in Connecticut in between New York and Boston. Um, you know, we found some really super people to, to join our team, but always looking for that. And so I think that's always uh, a rate limiting function. You know, I had an investor who said, you know, we bet on jockeys, not horses. And I think getting, getting top talent here in the state is um, something that we've been successful in doing, but continue to work hard at doing. How have you been successful in doing that? Like, well, I mean, have you pulled people from across the country? Have you pulled them just from Boston or New York? I mean, how, how are you getting people? Because that is one thing we continually hear, right? You're not getting the top talent. Um, people don't want to move across country or their VCs are saying you should get out of Connecticut. You mm -hmm. know, go to the places where the talent is so you're not kind of forcing them to, to leave their ecosystem. So how, how have you been doing that? Yeah, great question. Um, 
We certainly are committed to the state and staying here. Um, a lot of the, the folks we've brought in have really been just through our own direct network. Yep. Uh, but we've also been successful in leveraging relationships at the University of Connecticut. We've had interns from there. Uh, I'm a graduate of Trinity College in nice. Hartford, so we've had folks from there, University of Hartford, um, and also working from some folks down at Yale. Okay. So really just leveraging the university network? That's a big part of it, mm-hmm. and then just our own network. And actually, Connecticut Innovations has been quite helpful in connecting us with, with folks and talent uh, across the state and even outside of the state where appropriate. Oh, that's great. And just out of curiosity, have you guys been through any incubators or accelerator programs or anything like that? We're actually in the midst of an accelerator program now with the uh, City of New York, um, the New York mm-hmm. Digital Health Association, which has oh, been okay. quite effective and uh, pretty excited about that. Mm-hmm. While we're not currently have anyone dedicated into New York proper, mm-hmm. uh, we expect to grow in that, in that market going forward. And maybe you could perhaps describe for some of the listeners some of the positive aspects of that accelerator program. Like, what is it that's providing a benefit to you? Well, for one thing, they've facilitated uh, introductions to some great health systems uh, across New York. Um, New York University, uh, Mount Sinai. We've had our own relationships with New York Presbyterian, uh, Rochester, Buffalo, mm-hmm. etc. So mm-hmm. we've had very, very exciting and productive qualified meetings with decision makers at those health systems. Mm-hmm. So so the decision to go into the accelerator was more of a, a distribution channel? Like that's, that's how you're trying to get to your the people that could buy your, instead of actually, I need help as running the business or with the marketing strategy or doing the, the tech? Like that's right. I, I think, and actually, we were introduced by one of our other investors in our syndicate, a, a group called Milestone Venture Partners, which is based in New York City, um, and they were a former investor in my last company as well. Okay. So it really, it was about um, creating network opportunities for the company. Mm-hmm. So how did you? So you you had one startup. I assume you exited that one, and then you started a new one. So it seems like you've had the same investors. I mean, is that tell us a little bit about that? I mean, how important is that to you know get a base of investors, and do they have you? You know, did they reach out to you saying, once you start another one, you know, come, come back to me? Yeah. So uh, with regard to premise, we did have a successful exit. We were acquired by a publicly traded healthcare IT company at the time called Eclipsis, uh, really the top electronic health record for inpatient and folks like Hartford Healthcare, Yale, a number of other hospitals throughout the country were using that product at the time and they were common customers. Um, they became part of another company called Allscripts and I stayed on with that as a GM for a number of years before going back off to the mm-hmm. hair on fire world of, of startups <laughs> again. Um, but as far as going back to my two of my investors, we have four investors on um, CI, Milestone Venture Partners, a group called Long River Ventures up yep. in Boston, and uh, a group down in Raleigh, North Carolina called Accelerate Health Ventures. So they constitute our syndicate. Um, so half of them were prior investors, and they were just very good people, good board members to work with. Yep. And so, yeah, we're hoping to make lightning strike twice. Yeah. Now, did you did you seek out the, those investors? Did they seek out you? Um, was it more of a strategic uh, investor where they had relationships in the industry? Uh, and was it an angel versus a VC? Where, where were Great you questions. kind of that? Yeah, we never went directly through the angel. We actually bootstrapped the company for a number of years before seeking yep. venture. Um, I've always stayed in touch with the, my former investors yeah. and they with me. So. Um, it was really just, it made sense. And uh, CI was actually the lead here. And being a Connecticut-based company, they're, they're terrific to work with. So what are the challenges that an entrepreneur might face by having uh, VC investors on your board of directors? What, what, are, what, what changes from the, moment that you, uh, from the moment that you're running your company by yourself and the next day you have investment and all of a sudden you have people with different expectations on your board? And what are the things that they're asking of you that entrepreneurs should be aware of? 
Yeah, great question. So I, I think of this scene in The Matrix where you take the red pill or the blue pill. <laughs> um, so we definitely yeah. took the red pill yeah, once yeah. we went down the road of VC. Um, but we knew that, and we knew that we have an opportunity to hopefully make a dent in this healthcare universe of, yeah. of information technology. Um, obviously, they're in the business to make money, mm -hmm. to grow companies, and to have a, a successful exit. Um, we're in such a competitive, fast-moving industry that we honestly felt in order to really put everything forward, we needed to have not only the financing to scale this organization, but they're all very, very focused on healthcare IT. So all four of our investors are exclusively focused in the healthcare in the healthcare IT arena, and that was really an important component to our decision. And we also are very proud of the board and the syndicate that they bring in terms of the structure, the discipline, and their own networks yep. that they bring to the team. No, you kind of said uh, that obviously healthcare is moving fast. I mean, we may have some big changes coming, you know, with, with new president-elect. But um, so I guess, is that a strength of the industry or is that the weakness? I mean, is that like, what are some of the challenges that you're facing right now? Because I know, again, if it is too fast of a moving industry, you get in, you put all this money in, and then 18 months later, all the tech is completely different, right? And you start from scratch. So you, again, do you see it as more of a challenge or is it like, we just, we have the money so we can actually scale and get into, into the market quick? Yeah, well, again, buying cycles can be slow in some cases, but again, we're not only targeting hospitals and health systems, we're talking at health information exchanges mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. other providers in that space. Um, I think regardless of the president-elect coming in, there's yeah. such a need in this country to be more efficient, to move from a fee-for-service model yep. to value-based care model, where you're really measuring the effectiveness, the efficacy of treatments, and that really comes down to data, managing risk, managing high-risk populations, and measuring outcomes quantitatively. Mm-hmm. So does, does your stuff, do you do anything with like uh, studies and, and trials and FDA kind of stuff? Do you ever get into like the, could, could your could your stuff be used for like drug companies that are doing these trials and kind of making that data more uh, open? And the reason I, I kind of go down that little rabbit hole is because I listened to a podcast probably a few uh, weeks ago talking about the placebo effect, right? Like how real it is. I mean, when it comes down to, you know, antidepressants versus the placebos, I mean, there's a real real study to show that placebos do work, you know? Yeah. So you're talking about the efficacy of like the treatment, so. Yeah, so we do look at really Boolean outcomes of did something happen, did it not happen? Yeah. Did a patient readmit within 30 days? Did they not, did they have a condition that, that could have been measured or prevented? Yeah. Did it did not? And so by aggregating all of this disparate clinical data, we provide very good visibility and predictability uh, around certain events like that. Nice. Cool. So Eric, uh, <clears throat> You've you've done you've done two startups now, um, so you left stable salaries, uh, pres presumably uh, upset people in your family in order to, uh, to you know to live a crazy life. Um, what what words of advice do you have for the other people here at the Innovation Summit? Yeah, that's a terrific question. Uh, it's definitely not for the faint of heart, and I think behind, I, I love books by a, a fellow entrepreneur uh, and now VC named Guy Kawasaki who. Yes. The Art of the Star. Yeah, Art of the Star, <laughs> Rules Revolutionaries, Reality Check. Yep. He had one chapter that said, Behind every successful entrepreneur is an amazed woman. And, um, <laughs> I, I like that chapter. Um, <laughs> Why do you think I put the candy in my, uh, my bag and bring it home to appease her? <laughs> exactly. So I definitely think you need a, a strong support network uh, on the home front. It's definitely risky, um, but I think the opportunity to build a great team, to make an impact, and to, 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 to go for a vision that you and your team have. Is, is like nothing else. Yep. And how about in Connecticut? So like obviously, you know, we just had we just had somebody on stage get up there and basically bash, you know, kind of a little bit about how there's not many entrepreneurs. It's, it's a little bit hard in Connecticut. Um, people starting in Connecticut, what would you say? Because um, we're not like other startup, you know, scenes. Yeah. So what would you say to for them to be successful in Connecticut, not just getting a good idea and leaving? 
Yeah, look, I mean, it, clearly the state has its challenges on a number yeah. of fronts, but I have to say, working with Connecticut Innovations, we're actually part of something called TIP, the Technology Incubation Program. At uh, UConn. So, at yeah, UConn, UConn, yeah. And so we actually have our headquarter offices in the Farmington TIP offices oh, nice. in Farmington, which we love. Fantastic. Other entrepreneurs right next door to us. Um, great environment in terms of building a company, and hopefully we build quickly enough that we can move on to larger space and make room for future TIP companies to yeah. come in. So, nice. so let's talk about TIP for a moment. Um, what, how did you find TIP? What, did you, what, what got you into it? Uh, I think just through that kind of entrepreneurial ecosystem, yeah. we're, we're aware of TIP. I, I live in Avon. Okay. Um, so uh, yeah, I love the commute. And, you know, it's just a, a terrific opportunity. I mean, there are obviously other TIP locations throughout the state, up in stores and mm -hmm. down in Niantic. But for us, the, uh, they just added a 20,000 square foot building for TIP companies. In fact, the governor and a number of legislatures were there for the ribbon cutting ceremony not too long ago. Yeah, I think it's pretty fascinating. There, there's a lot of resources in Connecticut that, that aren't readily known unless you're enmeshed deeply into the community and you're talking with a wide variety of people. There's a, you know, it, it you might think that uh, a program that's run out of the University of Connecticut in stores wouldn't have office space for entrepreneurs in Farmington or Avery Point or Stanford. And uh, and they do. It's actually, I think, one of the things that we hope to do is have uh, one of the tip leaders, uh, Paul Parker, come on the podcast, you know, in the next month or two. And um, it, it's, uh, I think it's just a good lesson that there's always more out there that you're not aware of. Absolutely. And again, the talent network through the university, um, they just put up a, a website called ip.ucon.edu, the innovation portal. Yep. Profiles all the other tip companies and research and connecting researchers on academia with real world entrepreneurs. So there's some wonderful resources that are out there. And some of my neighbors I see are here at the show today as well. Yeah. What, what In was addition that? to Paul Parker. What was that? Uh, uh, the innovation portal. Um, I'm not sure it's been broadly. Uh, we just saw the developer that Dan Schwartz um, showed it to us last week, but it's ip.ucon.edu. And it's a beautiful website that shows all the innovation going on here in the yeah. state. And that, that is one thing that we've uh, benefited from and we think is a big uh, strength of, of the Connecticut ecosystem is that if you have the ambition and you got, I mean, it's not that hard to get a connection to a lot of the people in Connecticut. Um, you know, we're, we are six degrees away easily. Um, and it, to get to the universities, I mean, universities do want to do research. They do want to connect what they're doing to startups. So there, we've been, it, we've found it not easy, but but not hard, right? To, to get into these doors and talk to them and say, hey, let's let's create a partnership to, to study what we're doing and you know have it benefit your students and uh, you know the programs that you have. Absolutely. Uh, well, it's also important. I mean, universities are realizing that they're not a closed environment. No. It's, it's not a walled city. They have a community around them, and they need to be involved in part of that community to some extent. And because that, I mean, they rely on that community for support and to you know and to get along with that community when when problems conflicts arise, they need to be able to resolve them. So, um, and and frankly, it provides a broader base for their students. Mm -hmm. um, Certainly, uh, in the Hartford area, there's there's a lot of work at Reset. Uh, I see a lot of UConn students coming down to Reset to meet with different, uh, you know, to meet with different mentors and 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 sort of get an outside perspective on things. Um, so it's very interesting. So uh, diameter health. Uh, what, what's next for you guys? Continue continue to try to find new places to put the product in. Uh, any new product developments? What are what's on the table? Yeah, we've got some exciting um, new products we'll be coming out with uh, the end of the year and, and early next year. Um, having such a focused board and set of advisors has really helped us focus on which segment within this very broad industry do we really want to focus on. We use yep. what we call an onlyness filter. Mm -hmm. That is, what is the thing that we do that is really unique 
to our company. And clearly that the analytics space was quite competitive. Hundreds of other players out there. We're much more focused as we continue to evolve on data quality, data resolution, the normalization, and some of the things that are they're quite difficult to do that we spent years building. And my colleague, John DeMore, who's up in the Boston office, um, is an editor on the standard of this particular interoperability mm -hmm. CCD that we work heavily with. So we really leverage that domain knowledge as well as the technology yeah. approach. So you focus on your competitive advantage, and that's it, right? Whatever, whatever you do better, that's your focus, right? Yeah, barriers to entry, what's unique about what we do, and then articulating the return on investment, the value proposition, and the quick, you know, what we call speed to value in terms of getting it deployed. Yeah, nice, awesome. Mm -hmm. Well, Eric, we certainly hope to see another great exit for a Connecticut company that we can uh, proudly talk about, uh, you know, both in the papers and on the podcast and on the web, and uh, and I hope Diameter Health is, is part of Connecticut's growing story. Yep, and uh, where can people uh, see a little bit more about Diameter Health? Sure, um, our website is simply diameterhealth.com. Uh, we got Perfect. a new website launching uh, at the end of December, so... You might want to wait till yeah. then to check it out, <laughs> but, but it has the basic information now. All right. And cool. uh, again, I thank you for this opportunity. There's a lot of Yankee ingenuity happening right here in the state, and I think it's great that you guys are promoting the kind of stories that are that are happening all across the mm. state. Thanks. Well, we, we should come on. And we certainly hope that this isn't your last visit to the podcast. Yeah. Keep yeah. us updated, and uh, we'd love to have you back on as uh, the company grows and, and things start happening. Love to do it. Thanks so much, right. Eric. Thanks, Thanks Eric. Eric. You guys Thanks. are great. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the CT Startup Podcast. We want to thank our audio sponsor, the Murphy Kalina Law Firm, our guests for their time and input, our production company, Sublime Exposure Online, and of course you, our listeners, for helping make all this possible. Make sure to check out our Facebook page, our webpage at ctstartup.com, and our Twitter at ctstartupcast. And please make sure to join our newsletter for all the latest information on the connected startup. Show.